640 Toronto presents Think Tank, the breaking stories you care about. Please tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. The backstories you don't know yet. That's my question. Facts and opinions that get you through your day. You never know what you're going to get. And now let's meet the guests. Let's do that. We will meet the guests. Welcome to Think Tank. We run it up to the top of the hour at 8 o'clock on all the burning issues of the day. And we have some fun and we make it relatable as as well. We're all, we all probably got up earlier than we would have liked to. I know our second guest did, but let's bring on our first guest. And we'll ask her what time she set her alarm for. She's the former MPP for Scarborough Guild with Superstar with the Liberal government way back when. She ran for mayor this past spring. Uh, and she is Mitzi Hunter. It's great to talk to you again. We gave you the summer off. We didn't bother you. We didn't call. We didn't text. But you don't call and text us anymore either. We miss you. I know. I miss you too, Greg. <laughs> I, I got up real early just because I knew how fun it was going to be today with you. I, by the way, I had a dream. You're not going to believe this. I had a dream, and I, I think when it might have been the second day school got back, and I dreamed that I was the education minister. You're the former education minister. Do you ever still, or is that a dream or a nightmare that you would still be the minister of education for the province of Ontario? No, I, I have no dreams about <laughs> that these days. <laughs> I actually was relieved because there was a heat wave uh, the first week right. of school, and I know what that means for schools and hot classrooms. Yes, air conditioning, not air conditioning. You get calls and emails. You want to hide under the desk, uh, all that stuff. Well, it's great to have you uh, have you in and have you on with us, and I know you know our next guest, who's an author, a broadcaster, and uh, 640 contributor as well. Long-suffering Hamilton Tiger Cats fan, but what can we do about that? We can, we can only pray the other three things that he is. Steve Pakin joins us on uh, Think Tank. It's great to have you in. You were up at in the four. The, the number was a four in front of him when you were awake. Why? I, I just text, uh, checked my text right now. I texted you at 442 this morning, and and I'd been up for a half an hour already. And, you know, Greg, I like to prepare. I, you know, when I come on the radio with you, I don't want to be caught with my pants down, so I've been up preparing for three hours for this. And for the local uh, Toronto police authorities, uh, while I was driving and Steve texted me, I I did not text back, and the statute of limitations, even if I did, has run out. I was very safe. I uh, I pulled over to the side of the DVP and uh, and, and sent cut you me some know. slack on the Ticats. I know. I'm born in <laughs> Hamilton. I didn't have a choice in the matter. We often we often don't. Um, Mitzi, let's start with you. Uh, I want to play this uh, clip from uh, Justin Trudeau in the House of Commons yesterday. It's an unbelievable allegation. I don't think we, uh, from a historical context, have seen anything quite like it in our lifetime. Here's what he stood up and said. Over the past number of weeks, Canadian security agencies have been actively pursuing credible allegations of a potential link between agents of the government of India and the killing of a Canadian citizen. Hardeep Singh Nijar. It's really something, Missy. What was your reaction when that happened yesterday? Yeah, you know, I watched it because, you know, I'm recovering as a politician. So I, <laughs> I watched question period. And, and, and so, you know, I was, I was watching very typical questions and answers. And then it converted over to member statement routine. That's very routine. But when the prime minister stood up and said that, like everyone else, I was shocked. This revelation is just jaw-dropping that this could have occurred here in Canada, and it and something happened because you know Niraj was mm-hmm. was murdered, and uh, and so 
I, I just think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of fallout uh, from this. We've already seen that, um, you know, India expelling uh, a Canadian diplomat unnamed uh, this morning. And, uh, and I just think that we're just touching the tip of the iceberg of this one. And my hope is that Canada continues to be unified, as we saw with all of the party leaders agreeing that, uh, that mm. this should not have occurred and that we want to get to the bottom of this um, as quickly as possible. And this, of course, was about Hardeep Singh uh, Niger, a Sikh, a Sikh community leader in June. He was shot and struck in the parking lot of a temple in Surrey, B.C. A lot of suspicion about it in the Sikh community in Vancouver, in B.C., as to how it happened. Um, and Steve, we've we've seen um, leaders and prime ministers have to rise up and say, we're going to war. We had, you know, in our in our recent lifetime, we had John Cretchen say we're not going to war in the Iraq war. That was you could hear a pin drop in the House of Commons yesterday. And that's a rarity, as you and I know. Well, Bob Ray, the ambassador to the United Nations and the former premier of Ontario, uh, used to have a line where on those rare occasions when party leaders would all do the right thing instead of play politics with something, he would say they all rose to the occasion. And that happened yesterday, and it doesn't happen very often, and I was glad to see that it did happen. They all rose to the occasion. They did not play politics with this thing, which is, I don't want to say unprecedented, because you don't want to, you know, my memory isn't what it used to be, and maybe something like this has happened before. But I bet among the three of us, if we sat down and really tried to figure it out, I cannot recall another incident ever in my lifetime where a foreign government sends somebody over to our country to kill one of our own uh, and and presumably expected to get away with it scot-free. This is just a, I mean, this is a shocking turn of events. And, and I, you know, picking up on Mitzi's last point, I, I was really glad to see that the leaders yesterday, as Bob Ray says, rose to the occasion, did not play politics with it. And, and seem to say and do the right things that the moment required. I like that. Steve, even a moment, e- even an attempt of an assassination that goes awry or that gets canceled or that doesn't that doesn't work. Um, we, I, I can't think of a moment like that in my lifetime that's been so, so historic. Well, not in our lifetimes. And I was trying to think this morning as I was up from four o'clock in the morning thinking about this. I think the last time something like this might have happened would have been 150 years ago, when the Fenians sent people over our border from the United States to assassinate Thomas Darcy McGee, who, of course, was a top advisor and member of parliament to Sir Johnny MacDonald. I can't recall anything like this ever happening before. It's just shocking. We're uh, doing Think Tank with uh, Steve Pakin and Mitzi Hunter um, on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. Mitzi, this is going to be, I think, a good test for all of all of us also in Toronto and in Canada. And I think we had this test with the two Michaels and uh, Meng Wanzhou, the Huawei executive. I think we've had this test post 9-11. I, I, I think we have to be prudent here. We have to look out for each other. There's going to be a lot of rumor and speculation and, and, uh, and, and elevated, um, how would I put it, elevated heartbeats about this stuff we really need to let this situation play out don't we you know our commitment to the rule of law and the sovereignty is not negotiable and it is moments like this that test our resolve and that pull us together the sick community is two percent of the canadian population they're active very very i mean i was at the Khalsa parade in toronto and it was cold and rainy in the middle of may Thousands of people came out to express 
their pride in their culture and in their faith. And, uh, and I think that, you know, we're standing together shoulder to shoulder as Canadians right now in this moment. We're saying to a foreign government, not on our soil, not in our country. That's not the way we do things here. And, and I do think it's an important signal for Canada on the world stage right now. And, um, and our ability to negotiate and to influence with our allies, I, I believe, will be tested in this moment as well. Yeah, the total Indian population in Canada, Steve, is 1.9 million. Obviously, some of those uh, a sick population and in Toronto and Vancouver, um, it, it's notable. But again, what I what I can't stand that we do sometimes, and I think we sometimes do this in the media, is we put people in a box and we say, you know, we say Asian people think this, Indian people think this, black people, white people. And and they're so like, look at the Chinese population in Toronto. They differ greatly, considerably. We've seen in the last year and a half about politics here and politics back home. Well, I, I guess it's a genetic deficiency of mine that I tend to remember what former premiers of Ontario have had to say <laughs> about certain things. And I do remember one of Mitzi Hunter's good friends, Dalton McGinty, once telling me a story many, many years ago about how when he was doing business for the province of Ontario overseas, politicians used to come up to him all the time and said, how come we don't see all sorts of violence among different ethnic groups in your country? You've got 200 different ethnicities represented in your province and in your capital city, and yet we see precious little, um, you know, there's, there's no anger, there's no rioting in the streets, everybody seems to get along pretty well, uh, you, you know, and and... Dalton McGindy basically said, yeah, that's kind of how we do it over in Canada. And that's, it, it, you know, 99% of the time, that's the way it works out. This is one of those very rare occasions where somehow the events of the wider world have rested themselves upon our shores. And it's a very discomforting feeling. And um, let's hope they get to the bottom of it. I know they, they've done the tit for tat. We're going to mm. expel one of their diplomats. They're going to expel one of our people. But, um, but the one thing Jugmeet Singh said that I think is right, whether you want to do a public inquiry is another question, but the notion that we've really got to investigate this, get to the bottom of it, make sure it never happens again. Well, that's that's pretty obvious. We got to go there right now. Yeah, we got to find we got to find out what happened, and and then honestly, um, seek justice for the community, for the family, and and for all of us. Uh, let's hop to this, uh, and I want to start here with uh, with Mitzi. Uh, you ran for mayor in the summer. Olivia Chow won the election. She went yesterday and had her first meeting with Doug Ford. I didn't love this, so you tell me if you love it more, like it the same, uh, love it, like it just as little. Here's Olivia Chow talking about Ontario Place, something you were adamant about and passionate about during the campaign. Here's her explaining the Ontario Place message while standing next to Doug Ford. Yes, Ontario Place uh, was discussed and uh, my position has always been clear. Uh, there's a city hall process. I want to make sure that it's um, honored. It wouldn't be delayed because I think it's important that when we uh, made a promise that um, the final planning decision would come forward in December, uh, that would be honored because it's important that we don't, uh, uh, you know, once we said that is what we said we would do, we will do so. Okay, that's Olivia Chow yesterday. Mitzi, <laughs> you were on the campaign trail. You were very passionate about Ontario Place. You were very passionate about the Science Center not moving. Um, I heard from people yesterday who love Olivia, and they were disappointed because it sounds like, is this just about procedure now? you got to tell the Premier you don't like his plan. 
I know. Well, well, it's hard to do that. You know, she was there at, in uh, Queens Park and they had this wonderful extended meeting. I mean, this is part of the honeymoon phase and <laughs> I guess she didn't want to mess it up. And, and even though there was a, a very clear re- question from a reporter that, you know, you, you've publicly stood against this plan and promised to use all the tools, including the ability for the city to, to deny actually the plan proceeding and using all the tools available. And she just gave up a, a big, uh, a big point of leverage for the sake of the relationship that she's trying to court with, uh, with mm. the premier uh, for the benefit of Toronto. But, uh, you know, I, I was surprised that she gave up so much in that in that response yesterday because Ontario Place you know really has been something that uh, people have been clear on and I would argue that you know that part of her mandate is mm. to is to defend uh, this jewel on our waterfront and and not to give up so easily Steve I, I I know I said it to Mitzi during the campaign I probably said it to every mayoral candidate that, that came into our studio this isn't a great job the next three and a half years because of the city's financial situation it is a great job in a lot of extent but you're going to be asking the federal government and province for money constantly did she do enough yesterday of that well, that you've put your finger on exactly what the issue is here. It's pretty rich. And I give the mayor, I mean, I, I'm going to cut her a certain amount of slack here because to go to Queen's Park, to go into the lion's den, to say to the premier of Ontario, I need you to write me a check for $1.5 billion. Oh, and incidentally, when we go out and have a press conference after this meeting, I'm going to smack you upside the head over and you know, back and forth uh, over Ontario Place, which I can't stand what you're doing. You're building a spa when we should be doing anything except that. That's a bit unrealistic. Uh, Olivia Chow is where she is uh, on this issue of Ontario Place. That that answer that you the clip you just played is is look. She's essentially an honest person, and an honest person gives that kind of response when they're trying very hard uh, not to insult or say anything that could jeopardize uh, somebody writing them a one point five billion dollar check. So, I mean, come on, we get where the we get what's happening here. I want to get your feel, Mitzi, because um, Doug Ford, I'd call uh, for you a political adversary at Queen's Park. To me, that's the Doug Ford yesterday. You mentioned he gives the photo. It's a nice opportunity. That's the Doug Ford that drives liberals and then the and the NDP nuts because it's relatable and because people go, that's great. Seems like a good guy. He'd be a great hang. And it drives them crazy because they don't <laughs> like the policy. But Doug has those moments. He told that amazing story about getting a haircut in Florida in March or April. And I heard from somebody pretty high up with the NDP and they're like, see, that's why he's so hard to beat. Yeah. And uh he definitely was likable yesterday and, and, you know, ignoring all of the other things <laughs> swirling around him, he really utilized that moment. And, and I have to say, like, you know, as much as he and I and Steve knows this, we sparred toe to toe in inside question period and at Queens Park on many, many issues, whether it's education or health or, or you know, environment. But I have to say, I was pulling for Toronto yesterday, and I really wanted this mm. first meeting with Mayor Olivia Chow and the Premier to go well for Toronto's sake, because you know we need the cooperation and the support 
of the province and the fact that, you know, he actually extended a, a tangible olive branch when it comes to the asylum seekers and refugees in terms of providing permanent housing through through the housing benefit um, that he topped up by 42 million across the province, half of that going to Toronto. That's not nothing. That's mm much-needed uh, resources, and the acknowledgement that downloading responsibilities on the city that the city is not able to afford on the backs of property taxes is, is a big step to say, you know, we have a problem and we're going to put this little panel together to try to offer solutions that they can all find palatable. That's so well said. Steve, when Doug Ford ran for the Ontario PC leadership, I looked and I said, that that's a guy at city council that blows his top too much. He's He's not going to be able to be a diplomatic at the best of times. I was dead wrong because he does find those moments. And, and even the first six months where he was premier, somebody at some point said to him, calm down, play in the sandbox. <laughs> nice. You'll get what you want. You can still battle. You can still, you know, you're going to you're going to push healthcare workers. Sometimes you're going to push the education workers sometimes, but you're going to win more friends by, uh, you know, by uh, by a kind word than the big stick that that philosophy. You could be forgiven for feeling that way, given that he seemed incapable of controlling his emotions and his temper. And back then, we're talking five years ago now, he had a chief of staff named Dean French who seemed to gin up in him all of his worst instincts. Well, Dean French is no longer there. Uh, the premier has undergone somewhat of a transformation, and we have seen it is all to his good. I mean, it, it comes out every now and then. Remember the day before the last municipal by-election for mayor, Doug Ford said something like, uh, it will be a sign that the apocalypse is soon upon us if Olivia Chow wins. And the next day she won. <laughs> and the next day after that, he had a press conference saying, well, she's actually a very nice person and I think we'll get along just fine. Uh, yeah, you're right. He's figured out how to play the game. And, you know, Greg, I was just thinking earlier this morning, if you go back almost 10 years, do you remember that election campaign from 2004? Was it 2014? 2014, you had John Tory winning, Doug Ford coming second. Olivia Chow yeah. coming third. And and here we are a decade later. John Tory's out of politics. Doug Ford is the premier of Ontario. <laughs> Olivia Chow is the mayor of the city of Toronto. People ask me, why are you so fascinated in politics? Well, there's the answer right there. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. Yeah, that's one that jumps off the page. That's Steve Paik and Mitzi Hunter is with us as well. We're doing uh, our Think Tank segment, which is every day at 730 on 640 Toronto. Um Mitzi, we could do several stories about um, violence in the GTA with younger girls. I think we all it, it was an utter slap to the face. The story at Christmas time um, with the person experiencing homelessness and the 16 girls that trial is still yet to come. And that will be, um, I, I think, sad and sensational at the same time. But we've got these recent stories. I, I don't even know where to start. You're the female of the group here among you, me, and Steve. I mean, did anybody at 13 or 14 stab anybody? Did anybody at 13 or 14 show violent tendencies? This was just not a thing 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah, it's really, really, really bad and very concerning. Um, and, and the fact is that the the emotions and the intent. But also, the weapon is in the hand, and um, and you wonder what is going on, um, both at school, where it should be a safe place for all students. There has to be more that's being done at school, in the community, with what is surrounding these young people in terms of their supports and home. 
So, so there, there's, there's a problem here and, you know, it's happening. You can see it across the GTA. There's Bond, there's Whitby. I'm sure Toronto has its challenges as well. And, uh, and, and they're crying out for help and, and we've got to respond. I've, as you know, Greg, yeah. I've been to high schools after incidences of 14 year old, uh, unfortunately murdering um, you know, one of their schoolmates and, and everybody is shattered. The whole school, the whole community is shattered. And so, so we've got to make sure that we wrap around the supports, the upstream supports, being proactive to support these young people, whether it's their social and emotional development uh, or just showing them real alternatives uh, to violence and to retaliation. Steve, when you see things like this and read stories like this, there's another one this morning that, that we didn't even put in our uh, our lineup in Oshawa with a 12-year-old girl eventually getting tased because she'd been so violent towards teachers and classmates. Mm-hmm. They The cops came and had no way to stop her beyond this. Um, it just it hits you right in the middle of the chest that these kids are so young and so troubled. Well, remember, I'm a sort of a history nerd, and uh, lest we say this is unprecedented, it's not. I think if we go back 25 years, we well remember the case of Rena Verk, the British Columbia teenager mm-hmm. who was murdered by a bunch of other girls. So this this does happen before. Apropos of your point, though, Greg, it's true. Uh, I do recall when I was 13 or 14 years old, nobody, not boys, not girls, we did, we did not carry knives to malls uh, in the event that uh, we got into a fight with somebody. We could take one out and start stabbing them with it. That does feel uh, like a, a very new and dangerous thing. I put one plug in here for something else, and that is, and I can tell you this as the father of a daughter, I think it's harder nowadays for young girls to grow up than, uh, I won't say ever before, but how about in a very long time? The pressures these kids feel on social media, the bullying that goes on online, the the fight to fit in, the standards to have to uh, live up to when they see the unreality of others on Instagram or whatever. I just think there's a lot of pressure there, and obviously, not every kid handles it as well as the next one does. And, and is the pressure remembering is the pressure female on female pressure? Is it peer pressure among the same sex? Absolutely, yeah, it sure is. Yes, yeah. female on female. That's right. Can I also just jump in here a bit? Yeah, Steve raises a good point on social media because on the side of youth violence, there's also a lack of fear. Of of being called out. I mean, this some of this stuff was was recorded and is being shared amongst the youth population. So there's this speed that social media provides, and and, and the unfortunate appearance of a glory of violence that we've got to get at that because that's very new. And I don't believe that we have all the tools in place to handle that. I certainly know that the schools don't. The information is spread amongst the students before the adults even know that it's happening. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And and uh, again, there, there just isn't that fear of repercussions. We all had it, whether it's repercussions from parents, other people on your street, if you're acting up or obviously even in the schools. Um, it's, uh, you know, n- nobody wants it to be 1966 again uh, and the strap comes back. But we have to figure out some form of, of an answer on this stuff. I got about a minute here. I want to ask you both about the Queen Elizabeth statue. And it's at your former workplace, uh, Mitzi. It's wrapped in, in bubble wrap right now it's a statue of queen elizabeth ii and i know we've had ndp mpp saul mamakwa on and um and when we talk about things that hit you right in the chest 
this statue because of you know colonial acts and and uh, eras of of the british empire he doesn't feel great about it um what i don't know that there's an answer to make everybody happy here but what are your observations if there's a giant statue of the queen outside of the legislature well first of all it's time it comes from under the bubble wrap and um and so, you know, the Queen has, has passed, and, and this is a way to honor her service, her lifetime of dedication and service. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yes, I, I do believe that it is time, and it's going to sit out front to uh, the legislature um, in a way mm-hmm. that it should. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's a woman as well. There are only mm-hmm. men outside the, in statues, so this is a woman. And I think it, it adds for good conversation as well in our history. But Salma Makwa, and, you know, I, I have had the privilege of serving with him mm-hmm. um, and and Steve knows this that when he stands and he speaks in the legislature you can hear a pin drop as well mm-hmm. there is complete silence as mm-hmm. we listen to his counsel and so you know he's saying we've got to do more on reconciliation and uh, and so why don't we yeah. do both um, I've run us back to the end of the clock and breakfast is probably calling for both of you I should know in the last 45 seconds we have Steve uh, this is the third anniversary of someone you just wrote a great book about and uh, the third anniversary of his passing and uh, and it's well worth mentioning his legacy today well I'm so glad Mitzi Hunter's on with me because I think she and I went to dinner on maybe two or three occasions with John Turner, the former Prime Minister of Canada. And uh, later today, I will take a, a half-hour walk over to Mount Pleasant Cemetery in the middle of Toronto and just remember that three years ago today, he died, and I'll go visit his final resting place and just remember a guy uh, who loved Canada more than anybody else I knew and was uh, you know, ultimately not a Prime Minister for very long, but certainly was one of the greatest champions mm-hmm. for democracy that this country ever saw. So let's remember John Turner today. And a low, yeah, go ahead, Mincy, quickly. What a great way to (laughs) to wrap up with you, Steve and Greg, this morning, uh, remembering John Turner on the third anniversary of his passing. And for the love of Canada, I think it's just brilliant. Yeah, and he had a ton ton of integrity. And Steve, you just mentioned you saw a lot of that in the House of Commons yesterday. Let's hope we can see more and more frequently at that. Thank you both uh, for being on today. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Great to be with you guys. Thank you. There's Mitzi Hunter, Steve Pakin on Think Tank.